welcome to the Politics Disassembled podcast with me, Fiona Potany. The countdown is on. Six weeks today, Islanders will be heading to the polls to cast a vote. It's going to be very different this year, as we've previously explored. There are new districts to get your head around, and of course, it's party time. One thing that won't be changing, though, is that candidates will have to be on their best behaviour, and that's an order. As today marks the official beginning of the pre-election period, I'm joined in the studio by reporter Hannah Voak, who's going to be reminding us of all the rules candidates will have to follow before, during and after the election. Because let's face it, there's always a scandal, isn't there? We'll be taking a look at spending limits, offences and how to stop ministers from stealing the limelight. But firstly, many will know the pre-election period starting today as PERDA, So why is this a more controversial term these days and we're now moving away from it and using phrases like period of sensitivity? So perda is a Persian word for veil. It's shorthand for the restrictions of how governments behave during a pre-election period. But because the name's been criticised for its sexist origins, local authorities and the Cabinet Office and Jersey government have moved away from using this term and instead use pre-election period or heightened sensitivity instead. So that period is starting today, and that means that candidates will have to follow a set of rules laid out in a code of conduct. What exactly is in there? So the code offers a handy guide for candidates and their supporters as to what is and is not considered acceptable behaviour in the lead-up to polling day. It stresses that candidates are the key public faces of the election, Voters should be able to trust that they comply with the law and maintain the integrity of the election process. So at the heart of this is the seven principles of public life, which is commonly known as the Nolan principles. And they're the ethical standards for anyone working in the public sector. So the principles include selflessness. You should act solely in terms of the public interest. Honesty, they should be truthful and objectivity, so they must act and take decisions impartially, fairly and on merit. And it also includes integrity, accountability, openness and leadership. There are also certain offences, in inverted commas, or types of behaviour that candidates are asked to avoid in the Code of Conduct, which apply during the campaign period and election day itself. Can you give us some examples of those? Yeah, so candidates must also understand that there's certain offences that they need to avoid, and these include things like bribery. But in addition to that, there's also the finer details of the code, such as the limit on the number of supporters that are allowed outside of a polling place. One thing many people have been keen to know is the rules surrounding ministers. They obviously have a lot of power at their disposal, and some people have been asking if that puts them at an advantage over returning backbench candidates or newbies. So is there anything stopping them from using the government's press office to organise press releases and photo ops in the run-up to election day? And could they use their power to launch a vote-winning scheme like more £100 vouchers for every islander, for example? Exactly. So during the election period, ministers must adapt their behaviour. So they retain executive responsibilities and the essential business of government continues But there are certain things that they have to consider when it comes to decision making, for example, and communication. The Code of Conduct practice highlights that ministers should observe discretion in initiating any new action of a continuing or long-term character. Ministers should also postpone making decisions on policies where a newly elected minister might have a different view, providing that delay is not going to be detrimental to the island's interests or wasteful of public money. Ministers should also do everything possible to avoid competition with candidates for public attention. So advertising campaigns should also be postponed to stop the government from artificially increasing the price of advertising space. 
On that note of advertising campaigns, something that people love to talk about is spending. What are the limits for candidates in terms of spending on their campaigns? And is there any difference when it comes to parties now that we have a growing party political movement on the island? The campaign spending limit for both deputies and constables is £2,050 plus 13 pence per person entitled to vote in the parish or constituency in which they're standing for election. Um, And any prospective candidates have to keep track of their expenses as part of the campaign. They also have to declare donations that they receive if they're more than £145. When it comes to parties, if expenditure relates to something that promotes more than one candidate, for example a leaflet which might publicise those candidates endorsed by a political party, then the cost has to be shared equally by each of them. So the purpose of this legislation is to ensure that there's a level playing field for all candidates and no one is disadvantaged in the election process because they have less money to spend than another candidate and conversely that no one is advantaged by having more to spend on their campaign. Once the campaigning is over, the voting's all done, there are certain obligations that candidates and parties have after the elections. What are those? So there are some quite specific ones. The first is that they have to make sure that outdoor posters are removed promptly after the election. So they have to do this within two days after the election is finished. And there's also the declaration of election expenses. So after, within four weeks of the election, candidates have to submit their election expenses, itemising the amounts that they've spent. And if someone fails to submit this form without a reasonable excuse, they're guilty of an offence and liable to a fine. So there'll there'll be some new faces uh, standing for election this year, but there will also be some who have tried and tried and tried again and might have not got in. Is there any limit um, as to how many times someone can stand for election? There's actually no limit to the number of times they can stand, and that doesn't matter whether the candidate's been successful before or not. And finally, just a reminder for people, when is voting day and how can islanders go about voting? So election day is on the 22nd of June and islanders can register for a postal vote up until the 1st of June. And actually this year, all islanders have the option of voting by post. So previously this was only available if you were off island. And if you're voting in person, you can either go to a pre-poll from the 13th to the 17th of June or on election day on the 22nd of June. And you just need to remember to take photographic ID like a driving licence or a passport. Hannah Voke, thank you very much. So there you have it, election etiquette explained in five minutes. Best of luck to all the candidates as their campaigns get underway and all the best to islanders preparing to make their big decisions at the ballot box. Do dig into the manifestos and challenge the candidates, we certainly will be, but whether online or offline, try and keep it cordial. The candidates are having to officially be on their best behaviour, so we probably ought to be as well. Can't be easy putting yourself out there. Anyway, before we go, a final reminder of that very important date, Wednesday 22nd of June. Of course, Express will be with you all the way until then with analysis and updates in a dedicated section on our daily news email. From candidate announcements to hustings, the results day and all the drama in between. So make sure you don't miss out by signing up for free online at bailiwickexpress.com. More next week.